Hi there! You're about to listen to a vintage episode of the Under the Microscope podcast. While the content is still as relevant and as interesting as when it was recorded, our webpage has changed. You can now find us at thesciencetalk.com slash real-scientist-nano. Welcome to Under the Microscope. This series is brought to you by the Real Scientists Nano team. Our goal is to provide a platform where scientists can communicate their work and interact with the public. With that in mind, every week we introduce you to a scientist working in the field of materials and nanoscience, who would be curating the RealSci underscore nano Twitter account. Hi everyone, today we have with us William Brandt, who is an assistant professor at Uppsala University in Sweden. Hi William, how are you doing? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Looking forward to taking a deeper dive into your science and everything to know about you as a scientist. Well, almost everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's start by uh, talking about your scientific journey, your scientific career so far. So how did you end up where you are now as an assistant professor at Uppsala University? Tell us. Yes. So this this is quite a long and uh, interesting story with many branches of potential paths I could have taken but never did. Um, so to tell this in a nice way, I should start at the beginning, uh, which is in my childhood where I really had this uh, big obsession with minerals and gemstones, uh, crystals in general. Um, it sounds a bit uh, silly, but I did have a rock collection and a rather <laughs> extensive one um, that I was very proud of. I'm pretty sure my parents still have it. Uh, but that's really where my fascination with science came from. It was looking at the, the beauty and the symmetry in the natural world. Um, and so subsequently in high school, I studied a lot of science and mathematics. Um, but at that point, my parents, with a keen interest in me having a good future, were pushing me really strongly towards studying economics and commerce. And so subsequently, when I went to university, I did a double degree of science and commerce. Um, and while I had this general interest in science, there wasn't a particular area that really grabbed me um, until the final year of university when I studied uh, solid state chemistry uh, and crystallography and discovered, rediscovered, I should say, uh, my love of crystals, which I had from a very young age. Um, and so really suddenly this uh, childhood obsession was reignited. I ended up dropping the commerce side of my degree, much to my mother's disappointment, um, and went headlong into doing a PhD on using x-rays and neutrons to study uh, lithium conduction in solid state materials. Um, so this was the first real sort of break uh, path in, in my, um, uh, my career pathway. Um, but during, during this time, for the first time, I had really the freedom to sort of ask questions and do research and explore uh, different things in, in my own way. Um, and I really, I really love this. I traveled the world. Um, I got to visit synchrotron light sources in Germany, in Japan, in the UK, also in Australia. 
Um, but at the same time, I was exposed to teaching at the university and got very engaged in outreach uh, activities. And I really loved this. I really loved engaging with the public. Um, and that was where I moved from being this very shy and withdrawn like nerd um, to really actually being quite sociable. Um, and consequently, because of my engagement in teaching, um, at the end of my PhD, I applied for a pedagogic research position at the University of New South Wales and was offered that position. But at the same time, something else had happened, uh, the seeds for which were planted two years prior. Um, and that was when I was at a conference, <laughs> of all places, on Jeju Island in South Korea. I met a researcher from Uppsala University who was developing uh, devices for studying battery materials uh, using neutron diffraction, similar to what I was doing in my PhD. Um, and I was really inspired by his work. And I said, I want to come and visit uh, your lab and see how you do things. Um, so I got a scholarship uh, to go and, well, work in Karlsruhe in Germany, first of all, but also went and visited uh, the lab in Uppsala University, where I met for a very brief moment uh, Professor Christina Edstrom, who is uh, head of the battery activities here at uh, Uppsala University. Um, and I must have made a good impression because then she offered me a postdoc position here in, in Sweden. Um, and so at that, at that time, I then had this pedagogic position and the offer of a postdoc in Sweden. And so I said, okay, this offer, these offers, they don't come up very often, I have to take it. And so that was the second really split in, in my career. And I went completely into research. And I, I, the way I decided is I thought, if I never look at another crystal structure again, how would I feel? And I felt very sad. <laughs> so, <laughs> of course, um, I had to come over here to Uppsala. Mm -hmm. um, and so I did that. So then I started my postdoc and now um, five years later, I'm an early career um, PI, I'm building my own group, and I'm in two weeks about to apply for a permanent position here. So that is, uh, yeah, that's the story. So wow, far. wow, that's quite a journey you've had. That's, that is so cool, from childhood having this rock collection to now building your own group and applying for a permanent position in academia. And I... <laughs> I, I really like how you made the decision of taking this postdoc position. How would I feel if I never look at a crystal structure ever again? Um, <laughs> and that made you sad. That that shows you are a scientist at heart. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's really cool. I'm sure you made the right decision. Um, uh, I'm glad uh, that that's yeah. how it worked out for you. That is so cool. Um, so so coming from this very uh, science and commercial, uh, the economic and all this background. Now you're doing hardcore research, if I may call it, hardcore materials on nano research. Yeah. Uh, so where does your current research fall in this big picture of materials on nanoscience? Where does it fit in? Yeah, so um, that's a, an interesting question because I am in battery research, which is inherently a very multidisciplinary field. So the way I describe where I fit into this bigger picture is based on my background. So by training, I am a chemist who has specialized in crystallography. 
Um, so consequently, my work today is focused on using X-rays and neutrons to study the atomic structure of functional materials, um, specifically how materials form during synthesis, how the crystallization process happens and understanding that at a chemical level. Um, and then subsequently, how these materials change during use, um, so mm -hmm. in a battery or in an electrochemical device. Uh, mm -hmm. So my research group is focused on building these devices that enable us to study the structure of materials undergoing change. Um, that's kind of the general description. Um, and these materials, the material classes that I really focus on are Prussian blue analogs um, and uh, rock salt derived metal oxides, which is a class of materials that most battery materials um, fall under. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow, that is that is so cool. And I hope you will show us all these devices and the, the pictures and the videos and also show us around the lab uh, when you're uh, curating from the Real Scientist Nano Twitter account. Um, so, William, it sounds to me that uh, not just right now, but you have been involved with uh, in a lot of interesting research projects. Um, and this question is a difficult one. I know it before even asking this. Um, can you pick one research project that you're most proud of or the most fun or quirky one? I know all your research projects are close to your heart and dear to you, but you have to, you, if you have to pick one, could you pick one and explain it to us in simple words in the section we call In Other Words? Yeah, it is, it is a hard question. And I had to think about this for some time to really decide what I wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I decided to take the easy way out, in a sense. Um, and the, the work that I am, I mean, to this day, still the most proud of because it's, it's still kind of growing and ongoing, um, is the work that myself and my colleagues have done in coming up with a new way of synthesizing Prussian white, uh, which is a cathode material for sodium ion batteries, patenting that work, uh, that synthesis, and then subsequently creating the spin-off company um, so that whole story is, is quite long. I've, I've done a presentation that went for an hour desc describing just how it panned out. But in brief, um, the reason I'm really proud of this work is because it involved uh, three researchers. So um, Dr. Reza Younesi, who really specializes in sodium ion batteries and beyond lithium ion battery technology. Mm -hmm. His PhD student, uh, Ronnie Morganson, who is a pretty classic chemical engineer, sort of the um, do first, ask questions later. <laughs> um, and then uh, myself, a materials chemist and crystallographer. So we are three people with very different backgrounds, very different ideas about what is important. And we work together to come up with this new synthesis method and scale it up. Um, and I think I'm proud of this because uh, to me, it really shows the power of collaboration and collaborating in diverse teams. Um, and I mean, naturally, because we are all very different and we have very different ideas about what matters and what's important, we very rarely agree with one another. Um, but I think this clash of ideals is what leads to the most groundbreaking discoveries. Um, and so that is why I'm really proud of this work because, you know, we managed to settle our differences and really push this forward and make it work. Um, and it was quite personally rewarding for me because um, 
I had been working indirectly with Prussian Blue Analogue since my time at Sydney University uh, in Australia in 2011. And at that time, I really thought, yeah, this material would be really suitable for beyond lithium studies. Um, if only we could solve this one problem of synthesizing it in this particular way. Uh, and that's what we did uh, here together, Reza, Ronnie and myself. So being able to actually achieve that and see through what I, I really believed in the material from the beginning and just seeing it happen is uh, very rewarding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can, I can understand why you picked this as the project that one of the projects, let's put it that way, that you're most proud of, like from the conceptualization, from the idea coming into your mind to it actually happening, it actually working out. And did you mention you patented the, the, the technology? Uh, so also coming into the tying in together with the commercial aspect of it as well, from lab bench to market shelf, uh, almost going in that direction. Yeah, uh, that is really, really cool. Um, awesome. So it's, it's, it's clear to me, William, that you love the research aspect of being a scientist, uh, of course. I mean, that's how you made the decision of coming to Uppsala, just to bring it back again. Um, but what else do you like about being a scientist? Because research is one big aspect of it, but there are also other things that a scientist does. So could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. And certainly, I think, I mean, just one of the things that I do like the most about being a scientist is the diversity of tasks that you have to do. Um, it's always very interesting and no two days uh, are alike. But I think uh, the thing that really keeps me here is that I'm naturally a very curious person. I like to ask questions and I like to solve problems and mm -hmm. to understand the, the world around me. Um, so then, you know, seeing a problem or seeing a, a difficult or uh, complex uh, system, unraveling that into sort of the component pieces and then putting it back together and sort of being able to tell a, a story about how something works or why it works, I find I, I get a, a kick from doing that. Uh, and consequently, being able to communicate uh, these things to different people, I really enjoy that aspect too. So um, therefore teaching, um, some people see it maybe as a, as a chore that you have to do as an academic, but I really enjoy it because it is, you know, it's an opportunity to talk about the things that I really find fascinating about uh, science. Um, and so I really enjoy talking to, I guess, people of all backgrounds and ages uh, not just university students or my PhD students, but also people, um, child, uh, kids or um, uh, other adults who are not necessarily in science. Just being able to share uh, the excitement that I have is uh, an aspect of being a scientist that I really enjoy. Uh -huh. Okay, that's really nice. I'm glad we have scientists like you who are active researchers at the moment because uh, we need need people like you who enjoy it, you enjoy the teaching, enjoy, enjoy the outreach aspect of it and enjoy the diverse uh, works or tasks that come with being a scientist um, while enjoying the research, of course, that that's always, it's at the core of you being a scientist, um, of course. So uh, you, you mentioned uh, you also enjoy speaking with the uh, young adults or kids. Um, 
And um, if, if um, so the next question that I have for you, you can answer it in two ways. So one, like it's about an advice. So if you were to uh, go back in time and start your scientific journey, what advice would you give yourself or what advice would you give to um, the, the kids or the researchers who are starting out now, like today? What, what would be your advice? So... Um advice that I, I have given to, to students um, who are really interested in research and interested in maybe the path that I have followed uh, is, of course, um, the, the old saying, it's not what you know, but who you know. So <laughs> that is, that is uh, I mean, uh, there's two ways around it. It's how I got my position here in Uppsala. Um, and I mean, science is naturally a very collaborative um, pursuit. So the more, like, the more you interact with other researchers and the more you sort of network, the more opportunities you create for yourself. And I think that was one thing that was very important to me was to keep an open mind about where I could possibly end up. Mm -hmm. um, and so by networking and being flexible about where I wanted to go, but that naturally leads to a big challenge for many researchers that they have to face. Um, and it's by no means been the most difficult for me. I'm sure it's been hard for other people, but I had to relocate to the other side of the world. Um, and so subsequently, I had to make a lot of uh, sacrifices to pursue my passion. Um, and so in that sense, academia is quite a rough gig. Um, and so in order to uh, really keep myself going each day, I have sort of, you could call it like a cornerstone uh, that I remind myself of, like why I'm here, why do I really enjoy this, uh, really understand what your passions are and why you're really following through with this pathway. Um, because I think if you have that, if you go into science saying, I'm doing it because I love the work, because I either love being in the lab and tinkering around or I love engaging with people or talking about science. If you really know what uh, interests you, um, then that will, A, it will help you direct where you want to go. It may not necessarily be in research. It may end up being in science communication instead. And that's a completely um, fine field to, to go in as well. Um, there are a lot of... Um, science or research related fields that aren't just becoming a group leader. Um, and if you really stick by what you know your passions to be, you'll eventually find the right place for you. Because you might be somewhere and be like, I'm unhappy, why am I unhappy? Um, remind myself, why am I doing this? And then you find that actually that's not there anymore, it's time to find something else. So this is, um, this is, yeah, it's, it's tough because of that, because there's uncertainty and so forth. But if you really stick by what is important to you, um, then you'll find yourself where you're meant to be. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's some really solid pieces of advice. Uh, thank you, William. That's really, I, I feel like we don't really, uh, we, we don't often talk about these things, um, the relocation and how it, tough it can be. And, uh, in everything that you mentioned. Uh, so thank you for voicing that. Thank you for putting it in words in, in, a, in a very nice way, in a form of an advice. Uh, thank you very much for that. Um, and so I, what I would like to know from you is uh, it, it 
sounds like your research experience has been wonderful so far um, and I hope that it will continue to be wonderful and I hope you get that permanent uh, contract um, and build your group and become one of the biggest groups in the world not just in <laughs> Scandinavia let's go I will say yeah for the world. Um, however if you had uh, three wishes to improve your research experience what would you ask for and I'm not promising anything here okay yeah of course uh, because, uh, <laughs> these are these are big ideas that I think are not just limited to my area so these are things that I think about a lot um, and have strong opinions about but uh, my three wishes is first of all I would really really like to see science and academia becoming more diverse and accepting um, and diverse in in all sense of of the word um, because I really believe that a highly diverse and international team of scientists is it creates a a better working environment um, a mix of people with diverse ideas where you can get really discoveries coming out that you would not get any other way um, and it just yeah I just see it as I, I don't see anything negative about it honestly um, and I really think there's a lot of work that needs to be done in academia to move towards that. Um, but I really hope to see it and I do what I can uh, here at Uppsala to, to encourage that. Um, there are a few initiatives, both in terms of gender diversity and internationalization that I tried to get involved in. Um, but actually, like one of the reasons I enjoyed working in this group, the larger battery group at Uppsala University is up until the postdoc level, it is very diverse. Um, and that ties into what I was saying about, um, I mean, not just in terms of fields, but nationalities and gender um, as well. Uh, it, it was a very mixed environment and I loved that. And I love meeting and interacting with different people having my ideals challenged, like that's a, it's a good thing uh, to have that. Um, I do fear a little bit at the moment due to Corona and quarantine, like lockdowns, et cetera, that the world might maybe be moving to a more closed uh, state, but I hope that it shifts back once uh, it opens up again. So that's my first wish um, that that happens. Mm -hmm. um, my next wish is uh, one that is uh, very much tied to battery research in general. I would like to see a move away from this um, a little bit excessive sensationalist research. Um, and this is a particularly large problem in battery research because it's a hot area. I mean, we can't really deny it now. Um, and everybody wants to be the next one to make the next big discovery and you know <laughs> solve all the problems and have that one solution that fixes everything um, but of course lots of people and still limited funding means that I mean uh, you you get both uh, startup companies that really push an idea that fundamentally could never work or papers that use these buzz terms that at this stage don't mean anything anymore <laughs> um, and so I think it's it's frustrating that because it's so um, it's proliferated so much uh, that it can lead to uh, misinformation and uh, a spread of like wrong ideas. It's sort of one group picks up and thinks, oh, this is really big. I think it's true. So we're going to do research. But because there's so many hundreds of groups working in this area, 
you just sort of have these almost like spot fires starting of people picking up on an idea that was sensationalized. Uh, and it's almost impossible to sort of uh, prevent these, these ideas from just like running rampant. So that, um, I would like to see it toned down, but yeah, <laughs> maybe wishful thinking. Um, and then the, the final thing is, and this is perhaps a delicate topic, but um, a little less having science being influenced by politics. And I don't mean sort of like national politics and governments. I mean, at a departmental level, um, I've seen it a few times where, I mean, you have early career researchers who are coming in completely fresh and excited to do science and collaborate. And then they meet someone at a conference and they say, oh, you're doing really cool research and I want to combine it with what I'm doing because I think this is, will be a great collaboration and we get along and it's complementary science. But then unfortunately, the department head of person A's group has a feud going on with the department head of person B's group and that collaboration just gets shut down. And it's like these, it's, it has happened and it makes me sad to see that uh, happen. Um, so I, I would like um, to, and to improve my research experience too, um, for that to not uh, be the reason for a collaboration to break down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, I think all three wishes, uh, diversity and this, what was the term that you used for the second one? Oh, um, <laughs> uh, sensationalist research? Sensationalist research, that's the, that's the one. Like, I'm going to be the next big one who is going to solve all your problems in the battery research. Um, and the third one, uh, absolutely. Again, thank you for bringing this up because we don't talk about this enough. Uh, not the, not the, 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 the politics, the politics in the sense, but the science, the politics coming in the way of good collaborations and science uh, in general. That is something that we don't talk about um, openly and like the ego is getting in the way of science that's like the worst thing ever and we it should is. definitely be a bit mindful um about making sure that this is not happening and if if we are doing it then question ourselves um and be challenged that are we uh, what why why did i make that decision to shut down a project or why did i not initiate that collaboration or just be just keep science at the center of all your decisions. Let's just go with yeah. that. Uh, that's what I think. That is my wish, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I hope, like, I can't grant all your wishes, wishes like this with a snap of my fingers. Uh, but I would like to believe that we are working towards um, yeah. achieving all three of these to a certain extent. Yeah. I think by talking about it, is a way to sort of initiate change. At least I hope so. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you are an active researcher who is, you are the early career researcher now. So if you are thinking about all these things, I'm sure the future is in good hands uh, of research, of science in general. Uh, so thank you for expressing those wishes and voicing uh, and talking about things that we don't usually talk about, but they're always in the air, you know, everyone knows that these things are happening, but no one is actually addressing the elephants in the room, if, if that yeah. is the way of saying it, yeah. Uh, so thank you for being brave there. Um, this has been wonderful, William, uh, but before I let you go, one last question uh, that I want to ask you, and that is about... Um, so the year 2020 uh, was 
uh, interesting to say the least uh, and it seems to be spilling over uh, in 2021 well into 2021 we are almost at the halfway midway point of 2021 um what are your learnings from the year 2020 yeah so this is uh, it obviously everything has been turned upside down um and subsequently i've been forced to really reflect on uh things because of the situation we find ourselves in um so there are two things i've i've learned um and one is the importance of taking the time to slow down and reflect uh whether that is um intentional or forced upon you but because i was kind of put in a situation where i couldn't do anything except sit at home and maybe write some papers i took the time to reflect on the research that i did or have done try to define my own research field a little bit think about what was important and also take the time to rest uh because pre pandemic uh, i was traveling a lot uh, there was a period of time of 3 months where i was not in sweden for more than a week before i was going somewhere else um and that over time it can take quite a toll on your mental health not not necessarily or even um if you're impacting on your sleeping habits um so that uh, reflecting on that and the good things that have come uh, you know silver lining to the pandemic i guess um but uh, also the past year has really taught me just how important people are in my work and interacting with others um i really enjoy having discussions scientific discussions with others this used to happen here in um upsala we have a um i guess every we have a coffee table that we all gather after lunch or in the morning and we usually have discussions and like ad hoc scientific discussions there that's just gone uh, mm. there are digital discussions but it's just it does, doesn't happen as naturally um it also taught me to really appreciate those closest to me as well um because of course in academia if you're just caught up in the flurry and the rush of work all the time you can kind of forget uh your friends and family around you who are really supporting you um and being forced to slow down and stop has made me think yeah i i miss my i miss my family back in australia um and my friends and yeah it's a, i guess it's a, it shouldn't take a pandemic to make me think about this but it is it is still an important thing to take away from the last year Right, right. Wow, that's quite a lot of things. Um and I'm 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 happy to hear that you there is a silver lining to it. Uh, you did put a positive spin uh on the year 2020 to define your research direction to recalibrate so to say where is where are you going uh in your uh in your life with the friends and family and also with the research direction that you want to follow uh, just reflect um and rearrange life so to say yeah. uh, overall in a broad sense uh so thank you for sharing that um as i said this has been wonderful william uh, your science is really really cool and i really hope you get that uh, permanent position i have my <laughs> fingers too. crossed uh, for you uh, looking forward to having you on real scientist nano thank you very much for speaking with me and thank you very much for having me i'm very much looking forward to it Thank you for listening. To know more about us, please visit our website realscientistsnano.org and follow us on Twitter at realsci_nano.